Hi there, welcome to the Edup Marcom podcast. You're very welcome. My name is Philip Smith. I'm the host of the show. Every week here, I interview CEOs, founders, CMOs, and consultants from many of the largest and most successful colleges, universities, and education institutions in the world, where we talk about marketing, communications, and sales, and more. Finding out how to grow your student numbers successfully. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Kyle. Great to have you on the Edit Markham podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, great to be here. I'm a big fan of EdUp and you know what they do. So I feel like I've reached a point in my career now where I've uh, I feel like I've ticked something off here. This is great. Thank you very much. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, we'll have, this is the Edit Markham podcast, so we'll have to get you on the Edit Experience uh, podcast as well. I'll have to have a word with the guys to get you on there. Very good of you. Um, absolutely. Well, look, Kyle, it's great to have you on. Um, I suppose just to start us off, could you just tell me a little bit about yourself, just you know, what you do, who you are, just a little bit of background for the listeners? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm Kyle Campbell. I am the founder of Education Marketer, which is a, I guess it's a, it's a marketing consultancy firm for um, higher education. And alongside that sort of work that I, I do at universities, it's it's also a media company. So I share regular email updates, uh, email newsletter updates with education marketers. Um, it's like a accessible overview of the the news and what matters to to that audience, uh, as well as a, a podcast similar to to this one and other media opportunities as well. So, yes, I go into universities and I help them think about content marketing and building audiences and engaging with them. But my entire business is also built on those models as well because um, I. I really do believe if you're going to talk about these things and you know educate people on how to do it for themselves you you kind of need to be doing it for, for you as well don't yeah. you <laughs> it gives Absolutely. you that uh that sense of ownership and that what you what you do uh works so yeah from the education angle I've worked in education for 10 years before that but you know I, I take the models that I share with people and I practice what I preach fantastic you've got a great uh, career in education I, I really uh, admired uh, the newsletter that you do, I think that's such a brilliant uh, model, just giving value to people so that they, they want to learn from you or work with you and, and just kind of showing off your expertise a little bit. I don't think um, that's done enough. So I really like um, the newsletter and, and and how you use content to to preach and, you know, your message and your work and everything. So I think that's that it's a great um, ambassador for you. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the kind of work that you're doing at Education Marketer. So I know you, you, you mentioned kind of content marketing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, increasingly it's it's content marketing, but also demand gen as well. Um, a, a big challenge that universities face is that they have tons of social media channels, um, but their audiences are incredibly vast and often yeah. undifferentiated. Uh, and they, they kind of nail the content piece. They know how to create engaging content um you know we've had a whole sort of last couple of years where universities have really got behind content design and really think about how their websites look and feel and actually work with users but there's a lot less attention being given to um content marketing and you know for me that's actually identifying a very niche audience and then building a, a content property or media property around that and if you want an example of this, you you can typically go to a university's YouTube and usually what it is is like a place where they host videos. Um, and that's very different to the the sort of creator-led uh, environment that we live in today where a YouTube channel and the, the people running it are very focused on who they're targeting. So 
a lot of the work I do is I go into universities and I help them think a little bit more like creators and create defined content uh, programs to engage with with an audience. And if you want an example of this, I mean, you just have to look at something like Full Sail University in the States. It's a gaming Mm -hmm. institution. And, you know, rather than sharing content just, you know, about student life and stuff, they actually run a Twitch channel that's hyper-focused on that audience of young people interested in games so um they have a an academic who's delivering um educational programs and like a fortnightly show they share their their students uh, uh, matches in like the sports industry and this thing has seventeen thousand subscribers and they recruit people from it every year so you know that's what our social media should be doing for us um yeah uh, it it should be working harder in the recruitment space and if i can help universities do that i will yeah, well, I think you're a godsend for a lot of the universities and colleges, and even you know one of the the many different colleges and universities that I've worked with, I've I've seen so many that struggle with with content, but then trying to sometimes they'll they'll get content working well for their blog or for their website or for certain social media channels, but then other channels still will be new and they'll struggle to do that, and they they won't be able to pivot to it and. I think yeah. a good example of that for a lot of colleges, universities right now is, is TikTok, where a lot of them haven't been able or fully understood how to pivot to that channel or YouTube, as you mentioned there as well, is a really good example or LinkedIn as well. Um, and so what what's some of the content you're seeing that they're producing right now where they're trying to produce maybe that is, is not working? Yeah, I mean, a, a big red flag for me and what I see quite consistently is... Um, the way content is repurposed across channels, I I saw a cracker the, the other day, and I won't name the university, but um, I, I think it was probably like an Instagram reel that had just been sort of lifted and put onto TikTok. And essentially it was like a lot of these kind of really high, glossy, beautiful pictures of like campus. And it was very green and wonderful and mm. slow pan in. There was some kind of like delicate music underneath it. And, now I'm, I'm I'm looking at this on TikTok and I'm thinking, oh, that looks like a nice place to take my family for a day out. But you know, I'm 36, <laughs> and I have a, a very different sort of needs, like a student audience does. And you know, it's a perfect example of when you take something just because it's like you know vertical video and you put it in like a different medium, and it just doesn't work. You know, you look at what yeah. works on TikTok and. Um, you know, often it's, you know, the, your attention is grabbed every few seconds with like cuts or different new media, new information being revealed, like really like bright subtitles of like every other word, like has a different highlight color, you know, quick cuts between people speaking and all that sort of thing. And, you know, these are real basic editing features that you can see from creators like uh, Mr. Beast or those at the top of their, their game. Yeah. yeah that we can easily appropriate and steal. They're not copyrighted. Um, but that that kind of format just doesn't seem to make it into a lot of university TikToks. And it's something you can pick up fairly easily just by looking at how these big creators in- engage with their, their audiences. So I'm not saying that every TikTok needs to be like that, but yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying is if you built something for Instagram, you're not just going to take it and plonk it onto TikTok and expect it to work. That's that's when these things don't work out. You have to design for the channel on which you're, you're using. There's no way around it today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I asked the question because I think it's just so interesting because I've just seen so many kind of, really bad examples myself 
on various different platforms that that haven't worked that you know the the university's done posts or content that hasn't gotten engagement that doesn't suit the platform doesn't fit you know and then then obviously it doesn't get any reach doesn't work and they're, they're probably wondering you know what what the issue with it is and that's a really interesting kind of thanks for shining a bit of a light on that and um, so just to, to dive back into education marketer so what makes uh, education marketer different and and how does that impact the work you do for your clients yeah i mean i think i alluded to it before um i, I mean i run a, a content business um 100 of my business comes via the content that i create um mm. i don't i don't run google ads i don't do outbound sales i don't do all the things that people tell me i should <laughs> um and you know i'm one person right um and it's a little bit different for universities but you know if you look at it in a different way i i've become known from creating content every day on linkedin and writing the newsletter about a niche topical area and that's education marketing yeah and universities are filled with these niche topical areas so mm. I, I often wonder why uh, more universities don't deploy similar tactics, especially for like flagship courses or, or flagship um, um, study areas. So I think the key difference is when I go into universities, yes, I speak about my perspective and how to use content marketing in higher ed from when I've done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also say, look, um, if this didn't work, I literally wouldn't be standing here in front of you because if <laughs> my business fails, my content fails, then I don't have anything to to stand on. So yeah. I guess people have that sense of, you know, confirmation that what I'm talking about isn't just stuff I've read on blogs or, or books or whatever. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I do in my business is through, you know, failure and, and growing as a result of that. And, you know, I didn't just decide to start publishing content one day. It's it's definitely a grueling process. It's very hard, mm -hmm. you know, to get return on investment for content marketing. You're looking at between six and 18 months. But, yeah. you know, having done it and worked with university clients and done it in higher ed before that, I have the metrics to show that, you know, there is light end of the tunnel. And these are the positive signals that you can look for to, to see you're on the right track. So that's what makes my my company different. Yeah, and I I, know, I love that, and I'm I'm a huge fan of your content myself. I enjoy it very much when I I get yeah you know I see it on LinkedIn and everything, or I see your emails. I think it's fantastic. Um, and, yeah, thank you. It's it's rare to see content done so well. I think, I think you know for for a lot of us that it's a challenge, when particularly for universities, and that kind of leads me to the next question. And I think you've alluded to uh, some of these uh, already, but what are some of the key challenges you're you're seeing with universities trying to create this effective uh, content strategies yeah I mean I think there's a lot of advice out there that steers people down the wrong route and you know something that's gaining a lot of traction at the moment is this um, reinvigoration of personal branding now now personal branding has been around for for a while <laughs> you know I think it's first started gaining a lot of traction like the 80s the early 90s um, but we're, we're seeing a bit of a pivot towards it again because we have this sort of creator economy. Our brands are starting to use the, the people in their organization to represent them rather than the brand themselves. Um, but there's still this hyper obsession with the almost like the the me and the, the me, 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 the positioning around like the person and the brand being the thing of of the value. Mm. And you know, this is um, how they want to be represented. Yeah. But. But actually, the the thing that universities need to be to be focusing on is 
almost evangelizing like a category that they they want to live in um and there's, there's tons of examples of like niche institutions coming to the fore now where you know i think you've highlighted some stuff in the past and i've yeah. i had you on my show about um the, the power mba and you know, these are niche products, but they they want to be known for this this thing, and they build everything that they do um, around that. And they're not yeah. pushing the brands. You know, they're pushing those um, instructors who are on the course who are known for the topics in which they're they're educating students on. So it's less about the Power MBA because it is a, a lesser known brand. It's more about that actual experience and the category it's in. It's becoming yeah. known for that thing. Um, so that's the challenge it's stripping away all of that sort of stuff we've been talking about branding over the years and actually using a content strategy to you know build trust deliver value over time to build to build trust and be known for that topic when the student is ready to buy yeah <laughs> um, yeah and you know we, we think about funnels and stuff like that and even looking at like some of the advertising spends I mean I think I got some figures the other day I think I've got them here but um, yeah, Google Ads in 2020, uh, we had something like 200, 200 billion um, spent on that that media globally. Um, and now just a couple of years later, it's gone up another 60 billion, right? So we're, we're losing um, the ability to kind of play in that space. It's, it's getting too expensive. So we need to start thinking about these different kinds of ways to, to engage with an audience. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. I think um, it's it's, just, it's going to get more and more competitive, and already I think it's it's becoming saturated with those some of those ad platforms like Google and uh, you know the niche institutes are a great example because they're really doing they're focused on the content in one area and and they're building authority in that area and then that makes people want to learn from them and and do their courses. So some great examples there. Um, but this content is desperately needed, you know, um, and I, th I think uh, so. I think essentially that means you're desperately needed by these universities to uh, to help them. Um, so I suppose looking into the future a bit, Kyle, how, how do you see maybe the education sector or, or things changing uh, into the future? Um, well, I definitely see this stream uh, of, a, of a pivot to lifelong learning. Um you know, even though in, in the UK, we haven't quite proven demand for this this year. I mean, the government ran a sort of trial into funding for lifelong learning and it wasn't really well taken up. But I think there's probably more to how it's promoted as a scheme because we see digitally that more and more people are engaging with education later in their life. YouTube yeah. is the number, way, the number one way people learn. And I think in the future, you know, we'll see less people going to university for you know three three years four years and they'll they'll tap into education as and when they need it they might need more of it towards the earlier start of their career to get them started but i think there'll be much more openness and funding available um, for people to top up their skills as they go along and hopefully and hopefully um i i really hope that universities actually tap into this because if you look at the alumni model right now um it's typically ran um through donations um yeah from people who have done very well for themselves throughout their life but went to university when it was free um we we don't really have that anymore people pay a large fee to go to university and you know as a result they're probably a lot less likely to to give back <laughs> later in their their career so yeah yeah we need to be looking point. at how universities can be a lifelong learning partner you know, when someone graduates from their school, is there an option for them to subscribe? 
you know, to have updates to their degree content or come back at any point and get a short course at a discount. I don't know what that looks like, but at the moment, the education relationship is very focused on the early career, especially at a higher ed level. And there's tons of providers picking up value as people move through their careers. That's where the most opportunity is as well, incidentally, in terms of monetary value. So I'm surprised that more universities aren't playing in that space. Well, at least they should do in the future if they, they want to reinvent themselves to that sort of lifelong learning economy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, yeah, there's some, there's some real challenges there for education institutions. But I think that if, if you look at the way education has changed and it's become a subscription model for, for some of the newer um, online education providers, and I think universities need to try to adapt and become more accessible. Um, so, so definitely some changes they needed and I think that hopefully that will happen um, so I suppose just looking a bit into the future again Kyle so I suppose how do you see I suppose content maybe changing for the education sector into the future I know there's all these different developments um, with AI and so on as well that, that's kind of changing all of our content um, do you see that maybe as, as something that's going to have a, a bit of an impact positive or negative or yeah, it will have a huge impact. I mean, I think there's a few potential changes. I think AI is part of it, and I'll I'll pick that up. But you know, I I think more institutions of future will invest in media models. Um, we've already seen from huge publications like Morning Brew how by delivering content, you know, consecutively in a newsletter format, like yeah. two or three times a week, they have an audience like millions of like business savvy millennials, right? And you know, they recently dropped a course. Um, they called it their Morning Brew MBA. Um, I think the tagline was business education without the bullshit or something like that. And yeah, yeah. they're oversus- oversubscribed because they've already built the trust and the value with the audience because they, they shared decent content for years beforehand. I think more institutions will start taking that, that model and applying it to their own methods of recruitment. On the AI front, yeah, I mean... The way I'm looking at this is that for years we've been talking about there there being too much content and content shock and all that sort of thing. And now AI has come into the mix. (laughs) Anyone can go and create decent content um, now. So content is almost no longer a differentiator, right? A big deal. You can create content. It used to be a thing that brands could do or, you know, a select few bloggers or publishers and social media, but it's just not like that anymore. So we often hear that content is this, this store of value that content's the asset. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, the, the value of content will keep declining. It will be commoditized by AI. Um, but I think what's really important then, and I've, you know, I alluded to it before, was the ability to build audiences. That becomes the value. Um, so it's almost like who publishes the content and who has built the trust over time that becomes like the the asset, the audience, rather than the actual content itself. Because um, I could publish an incredible piece of content, you know, tomorrow, but because I haven't built up authority and trust in a certain area, yeah. it doesn't matter because no one's going to read it. Yeah, um, that's very but true. It's, it's that's it, isn't it? Uh, but because I built up trust and authority in education marketing, if I publish something about this, people do read it. Um, so it's the same. It, it applies to universities as well. You can create an amazing piece of content, but if you haven't got an audience waiting on like YouTube, whatever platform you've chosen. There's it doesn't matter, right? Uh, Perfect. Thanks for that, Kyle. So just to wrap up, is there one kind of key piece of advice, um, as opposed for successful growth or content? 
uh, for an education institution uh, you could pass on? Yeah, I mean, number one thing you can be doing with you know your marketing, your content, whatever it is, uh, just be known for something. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> consistently are going to unis they have these huge portfolios and i do sympathize but they don't know what they stand for um and this should be like the, the number one thing that you you sort out especially when you're building content programs because yeah. if you don't know what you stand for it, your audience aren't going to know it either um so once you've worked that out then it's about you know being very focused on addressing a, an audience need and being targeted and then all you really need to do is add a, a third layer, which is deliver that experience in a in a novel or memorable way. But yeah, the number one thing is just pick a pick a lane. Um, you know, it's better yeah. to appeal to like a small group of people than to appeal to hardly anyone, right? It's you know, you could hit a massive audience, but if they're just looking at you like wallpaper, there's there's just no point. So it's better to be focused, make some people happy, others. Mm not so much, but at least you're actually engaging with people in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think there's a real need for effective content to make an impact, you know, build an audience. I think you've touched on a lot of the really crucial points in, in this conversation. Uh, Kyle, thanks so much for your time today. It was a real pleasure having you on. Um, for any listeners from prospective universities or colleges that maybe want to get in touch with you, where, where can they do that? Uh, LinkedIn, I'm consistently there every day, all the time. Um, or you can just go to the website, educationmarketer.co.uk. Fantastic. Carl, thanks so much for your time today. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Hi, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Ed Up Markham podcast. If you'd like to be a guest, you can do so by applying on edupmarkham.com, where you can also find a catalogue of all of our episodes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. it.